morning. This is Nicole from 15 Minutes of Sane. Today we are going to talk about men's health and how they identify themselves. We have a panel with us today, Eric, Chris, uh, Melissa, and Rodney, and we're going to get a diverse opinion on um, how men identify themselves, where they find their self-worth, and we're going to talk about um, men's health and ending the stigma. So thank everybody uh, for joining today. Um, when we talk about the ways that society determines a men's value or self-worth, what are the things that come to mind for each of you? I think we make some initial adjustments, I mean some uh, initial judgments based on what we can measure, um, possessions, occupation, salary, physical features, um, because that's easy to see. And um, if you can get past those indicators, then personality, your goodness, uh, the friendship and the potential and the benefit can also affect value. What do you guys think? It's uh, a great start. Um, I think ultimately, um, even looking over a history of mankind, uh, men have fallen into the role of being providers. You look at agriculture, hunter-gatherers, whatever you want to, uh, however far back you want to go. And so ultimately, I think um, what men bring to the table um, in the way of being providers or way of the uh, of what they can do, not just who they are, uh, is ultimately kind of what brings us our value. I tend to agree uh, with uh, what Chris and Eric have said. And at the end of the day, um, I think that reality uh, is constructed, just basically. Uh, these are learned behaviors. Uh, these values have been instilled in us uh, as uh, young men growing up, right? Uh, so I think you're all correct. So. Uh, Chris and Rodney, you guys are the only two with sons on the panel. Um, how have you changed how you were raised to how you're raising your sons? That's an entirely different podcast, probably. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I grew up definitely in a, uh, uh, what you call it, traditional, um, woman stays home, does everything, man, um, does work, has little interaction with family, um, so in my roles, I've tried to um, have more of a um, emotional relationship with my kids, or at least uh, talk with them, not just uh, bring money and provision and that be the end of it. Um, however, a, a lot of the credit to how my son has been raised goes to my wife. Uh, being in the military, I wasn't here a lot, so uh, he's had the benefit of having um, a lot of uh, influence from his mother. And so me being gone a lot has probably helped him grow up much more than what I did growing up. How about you, Rodney, since you also raised a veteran? Yeah, so my wife and I, we were we met in the military. We were both, uh, we were both military veterans. And mm -hmm. for our son, um, we started with what we knew, which was a traditional family, uh, similar uh, to what Chris just said. But we also recognized that we needed to probably improve on that model some. And so we did little things like trying to instill more balance, you know, uh, instead of me maybe you know working double shifts when I got out of the military and things like that. Um, I would try and do more staying at home, investing a little bit more time and emotional support uh, into my son, right? My, my wife, she also worked. Uh, and so we were, you know, basically trying to balance that, provide that work-life balance and show our son what a balanced life uh, looks like. So did that differ than how you guys raised your girls, Eric and Melissa? No, I mean, I think that, uh, I think we were a pretty traditional family, you know, where um, where I, I was the primary breadwinner, but Melissa still worked a lot. Um, 
But one thing that we did learn about roles um, is that um, any just because I was the one who brought home most of the income, it didn't mean that I didn't do any of the housework, which is a different conversation. But when it came to our girls, I was so focused on the relationship that I enjoyed with them and developing that as their dad and father and friend that I don't, I don't know that we ever really defined what the role needed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, they just had a great role model in their mother. Right. You know, I just tried to make sure that, that I was uh, a good somebody that they would want to marry someday. Mm-hmm. So when you guys think about um, how society has evolved, uh, you know, that there's not really a standard role for men versus women in the household, in the workforce, um, how do you uh, equate that to stay-at-home dads and, you know, helping them to find their value, especially if they were raised in a home where the mom stayed home and the dad went out and earned six figures? Um, you know, how do we as a society change the mindset where the stay-at-home dad who doesn't bring home a paycheck um, brings as much value to the home and is still the head of household, the leader of the home, um, as the dad who is a CEO. Nicole, I think it's a it's a mindset shift. Um, I think intrinsically, every man is worried about legacy. Not every man, but most men are worried about legacy. So, um, is that legacy going to be the a huge inheritance that you leave your kids? Uh, you know, in the in the uh, use you know money and and things, or is it going to be uh, the time you've spent, the impact you've had on their lives. So I think being a stay-at-home dad is fine. I think it's just you have to think about the legacy um, that you're leaving in a different way. Yeah, Chris, I think I think it's a matter of changing what we value, um, what we say is important, and if that if that car or the nicer house or whatever is the most important thing, then that's going to convey um, to your children. But I think that, um, in my opinion, teaching and and educating. Uh, and retraining how we view val- what is valuable in our life makes a difference. And so it'll, it, it seems to clarify as you get older, you know, what, are, what is really important. Um, but I think changing what we value, shifting how we think about what's important will help, you know, society look at things different and then, and then the world that we live in. What role do you guys think um, religion plays in the evolution of the thoughts about men and their role in the household. So I'm glad you uh, brought that question up. I was going to tag in at the end of uh, what Eric and Chris um, just talked about, but this segues into something that I think is very important. Uh, I did grow up in a traditional uh, Christian Southern Baptist household, right? Fire and brimstone, all that good stuff from from the deep south. And I do see that there are some advantages to uh, this concept called the blade and the chalice, right? The blade is, you know, all things, getting things done, uh, it is the, the you know the, the the strong father figure, and the chalice is the nurturing mother figure. I I tend to personally think, from my 50 years of observation, that there are some advantages to that. Now, the role that the individual plays in that combination of blade and chalice is what I'm more willing to say doesn't matter as much. So, for example, traditionally you would have the man as the blade, the woman as the chalice. Um, but as I think as long as the, the, the child see, sees what the blade and the chalice looks like, no matter who plays that role, whether it's the father or the mother, as long as one of them is playing one of those roles or the other, I think that there's advantage to that. And here's the reason why I say that. I say it because um, 
in order to get things done in the real world, you have to have that blade. You have to be able to, to stick through tough times and get things done. But also, uh, in, order to, um, in order to be a good citizen to others, your neighbors, etc., then you have to be able to have that more nurturing side, in my opinion. I think it takes both to make a complete human being, the left and the right brain working together. I think that makes um, better societies. I think it makes people more, uh, more holistic, uh, more kind, more caring, but also uh, it keeps them tough and able to get things done in the real world and withstand some of the world's curveballs that, that it throws at you. That's my opinion. Yeah, good. Chris, do you have a thought on that? Gosh, I don't know that I could wrap it up much better than him. I think he made a good argument for the uh, for biblical marriage and how it benefits the family. No surprise there. So um, do we think that there's a role um, variance uh, for culture, race, um, you know, the stigmas that go along with certain cultures, um, or even, you know, how your race and your culture affects your upbringing. Is there a place for that to be different today? Or is today the day where that is no longer really the issue? I think our culture is always going to be an issue. Um, I mean, we have generations of, of influence over how our culture sees, you know, gender roles, how our culture sees, you know, um, uh, parental roles, all of these things. So I think that's going to have an influence, but it's also more nuanced than that. We're not a monolith. Every, every family is going to be different within a culture. So um, it's difficult to paint with a broad brush like that. But me having come come from a, uh, you know, blue collar, white family, um, where, you know, men work and don't show a lot of feeling and women stay home and take care of the kids. Um, that, that's the background I come from. And um, that's kind of played itself out of my family. My wife has been a stay-at-home mom, um, you know, our, almost our whole marriage, uh, really because I've been in the military and bounced around so much. That was the, uh, the way we could give our kids stability. Uh, but as much as I try to fight maybe the, uh, the history that's come behind me, uh, still... Um, Without thought, I've kind of fallen into that same track as well. Anybody else have a thought on that? I think the, the, the problem I have with trying to clearly define the roles that everybody's supposed to play is that a lot of times we, when we define the roles the way that we want to define them, a lot of times we use that as an excuse to um, not have to nurture the way that we should as fathers or not having to love well. You know, if, if, you know, a dad that just goes to work and comes home and says, the way that I love is to provide a paycheck. That's, in my opinion, that that is an excuse he's using not to be who he needs to be in the family. If we look at the example of Father God, you know, the, the, the way that he loves is supposed to be the example that we follow and how we love our own children. And so I'm afraid that in the society that we live in, with the, the way that we have defined roles, and the way that some men use those roles to excuse their lack of providing for their family in other ways, I think has been misused. And I just think it's time to re hit the refresh button on what our roles ought to be. So that that is a, a, a good segue into, you know, Forbes magazine shared an article in January of 2015, how do you measure your self-worth? And the premise of the article challenged if we as a society were even using an appropriate form of measurement or a measuring stick to determine the value of a human being, like one would determine how much flooring to buy when renovating a house. So do you think that in addition to following our, our biblical teachings 
and following the norms of society, that your tribe, who you choose to surround yourself with these days, affects how you find your value and your self-worth? Yeah, no, Rodney. Yeah, I, I, I do believe it does. And here's why. Here's a, here's a simple model of, you know, again, how I believe that this actually works. People do what they do because of who they are. They are who they are because of the way they think. They think the way they think because of their experiences in life, and those experiences are based on certain exposures. So if you expose an individual to, you know, certain positive environments, then their experience is positive, and then their thinking is positive, and then more, more likely positive, they behave in a positive manner, right? So if we are talking about this Forbes article, and, 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 we're, and I did read the article, and it's saying about how people are uh, measuring using, I think they were talking about who you surround yourself with, um, uh, the money that you make, you know, those types of things. I think there were like five uh, factors that mm -hmm. they brought up in the article. Right. And my only issue with that is I think it still depends on the individual and what they feel is valuable to them. The, the, the very article itself actually kind of excuses the fact that, well, what if an individual, their happiness, they choose for themselves to actually measure it by the friends that they have, right? We can't say that that's not valid because it may be valid for that particular individual living this one experience that they have. So that was the only issue that I took with the article. Um, but I do believe if people are being told or being taught that that is the measure of self-worth, the money you make, the being you know being the sole breadwinner, uh, the people that you surround yourself with, I think that is then a mistake. I think that the article is correct and that maybe we should look at other ways to measure that. Uh, measure that value. We're going to take a quick uh, break here and we'll get right back to this. One second. This is Nicole from 15 Minutes of Saying. Make today so awesome that tomorrow gets jealous.